and welcome to the latest episode of the Women in Confidence podcast, where we get to celebrate the triumphs and the stories of exceptional women who've broken some glass ceilings, are the pioneers and the game changers, and have achieved remarkable success. But before I get started on today's episode, I just want to talk about a previous guest on Women in Confidence, Tanya Vasalo. And she's going to be running her signature event, which is called Increase Your Income and Impact. And who doesn't want that? And in this event, she's infusing everything that she's learned in the last couple of years and that have helped her achieve her growth and success. And here are a few things you'll get to learn in her signature event. So owning your value and shifting from charging dollars per hour to dollars per value. Developing a money mindset that allows you to thrive instead of spinning your wheels in your business. Becoming more visible to attract a larger audience and exploring new strategies to take your marketing to the next level, including podcast guesting and YouTube and a whole lot more. And this event will help you on your journey, regardless of where you are in your business. And you'll have the opportunity also to connect with incredible women who also share your aspirations. So go and check that event out. That is called Increase Your Income and Impact. And it starts on the 21st of June, so not long to go. And Tanya is based out of New Mexico, so that might be your time zone. So yeah, go and check that out. But also listen to episode 31 of the Women in Confidence podcast with Tanya, and you can get to learn a bit more about her. So on to this week's episode, and I've got the privilege of sitting down with Martha Aviles, who is a vice president of marketing, and she is a leader with over 20 years of high-tech marketing experience in software as a system companies, networking, semiconductors, and also network security. And her remarkable journey and unwavering confidence have propelled her to success in not only startups, but private and public companies. Right. Good morning, Martha, and welcome to the Women in Confidence podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, thanks for having me. I said good morning, actually, but it's not morning where you are. I think afternoon, evening, perhaps. Yes, it's almost 5 p.m. my time. Yeah. So end of the working day and maybe a little bit fatigued. (laughs) Whereas I'm fresh, I've got coffee and I'm fresh and ready to go. Right. We should totally dive into this. Um, So the theme being around confidence, I'm going to ask this question. What does having confidence mean to you? Yeah, I think it's knowing that either you're doing the right thing or you're in the right place. You're not looking for other people's approval, approval essentially, to be who you want to be and do what you want to do, right? Like you're living in your values mm-hmm. and not seeking it elsewhere. And so that sort of seeking, I suppose, confirmation from elsewhere, is that something you, you've done before? Oh, absolutely. Who has them? But yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And do you feel that you've got sort of evolved beyond that and you're now completely comfortable in your own skin? Yeah, well, so I think uh, I'm someone that learns by doing and that means I've screwed up a lot. Um, But it also has given me a lot of experience, right? Like I don't, I'm not ashamed of that when I say that. And so I used to look outwardly, if you will, for my confidence and for reinforcement, if you will. And through messing that up a lot, I've realized that being confident is being comfortable in your own skin. Am I a hundred percent comfortable in my own skin? No. And it doesn't mean that I don't question things sometimes. Right. But I think part of questioning is not only part of being human, but part of being humble. You don't want to get, there's a point where confidence can become arrogance and you never want that. Right. So, but I, I do feel like I've really, really worked on my confidence through a lot of failures and challenges and yeah. But I think to your point about, you know, and you're really honest about messing things up. 
is that um, if that's the only way you can learn, you know, regardless of whether it's confidence, whether it's a skill set, whether it's anything, it takes a lot of practice. And But learning from those mistakes, is there one mistake you're like, hmm, that was a real turning point in my life. And I'm like, you can't carry on down that track. Yeah, that's actually a great question. Um, I think so for a really long time, I'm um I'm a child of immigrant parents and immigrants come to this country to give their children a better life. And uh, uh, they just want you to work really hard. And I've always worked really hard. But at one point in my life, I realized like I'm not a white male executive and I was always trying to be. And when you're trying to be something that you're not and you're not being true to yourself, it's not going to go well, typically. And, and I think there, there was a moment where after a lot of failure that I realized was me trying to be someone that I've not, that I'm not, and I can't be, um, I pivoted and that really changed my career trajectory, but also like how I carry myself. And I'm more vulnerable with like courageous things. Like I've screwed this up. You know, I think it takes confidence to, to say things like that. So, yeah. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. And you said you're an immigrant originally from Nicaragua. Were you, so were you born in the U S or were you born in Nicaragua and then um, came over? I was born here, but only seven days after my parents arrived. So my parents are immigrants, but let me just say that when you're a first generation American with parents, like you're learning a whole lot of things for the first time. And I think you have to get comfortable with the uncomfortable very quickly. You know, I mean, you're, you're basically blazing a trail and pioneering things in your family that no one's ever done in a country that like they have no context for, you know? So it's pretty fascinating. And that's why I really wanted you on the show is that sort of pioneering first time doing things for your family. I think there's, you're a great example of doing that and achieving, you know, significant things probably through some hard work, but also just graft determination, some resilience, making some mess of things. And, and now, you know, you're, you're now in a very senior position as I'm the VP of marketing at Gigster now. Gigster. That's right. Yeah. So how's that going? How's your, how's your new role going? Great. It's really great. This is something that like through a lot of challenges in the past, I've learned to go places where I'm appreciated and I'm looked at as an expert in my field, but also they want change, right? Like I'm someone that is really good at building and making changes and you have to find the right company that wants a change agent. For example, if you wanted me to optimize things and things were already pretty good and you're in an optimization type of leadership role, I would get fired quickly and I would fail. But I I learned that, right? And so this role has been really great because the C-suite here is just very welcoming of that. And that's what they wanted. And we had very open dialogue through our interview process that really didn't feel like an interview process um, about who I am, what I value, what they value, does it match up? But you have to be really confident to have those kinds of conversations because you also know that you might walk away from this, right? That that's an option that could happen. And it definitely did while I was being approached by other companies while I was at Talro. So I, I think I found the the right home. I think this is the beginning of my fourth week. Um, but yeah, it's been great. This, this company values radical candor. They want to see the change in marketing. They've given me all the rope I need to go and do it. And I feel really empowered and really supported. So it's been really great. You really, you touched on a really uh, important point there about the recruitment process that to you, it said you didn't feel like you were actually sort of going through the recruitment, although, you know, behind the scenes, you clearly were, but I, I guess, and I, I work in HR, so I recruit a lot and I can always tell when somebody is presenting somebody they think I want to see rather than the actual person. But 
it takes quite a lot of courage to do that, I find. I wish people would do it all the time, but I find people put on such a facade to do that. I, I don't know whether there's a question here, but it's just a, a statement of fact. I guess, have you ever found yourself guilty of, I know you said about being the Y exec, but you know, in an interview, you're like, who who was that just in that interview? Because it wasn't Martha, it was somebody else. That's totally happened to me in the before. And that's why I like I'm glad that you asked how I'm doing here. I felt like I was very real in this interview process, but through all of it, some of it is the environment they've set up and how they've set up their process, right? There are people that, and I think you know this in recruiting, but you'll be sitting on the other side. Um, talking to someone that you can tell they're trying to catch you in like a gotcha moment. And that doesn't make you feel a level of psychological safety so that you can be yourself. Um, but that's also a red flag for me now. Um, I also think sometimes I'm, I'm going to speak as a woman, we put too much, um, too much importance on, are they going to like me? And that's where you start doing this like facade thing. And, and it's almost like, I understand having skin in the game and having a job is absolutely important and getting paid is important. We all have houses to pay for and families and dogs and what have you. Right. But it's almost, it's like dating, right? Don't put all that pressure on it. Like just, is this going to be a good conversation? Do I want to have a second conversation with this person instead of it being like, I have to nail this interview and get this job in 30 minutes, because I think that doesn't help you show up in the best way possible, you know? Mm -hmm. I always say to candidates, or try to remember to say to candidates, this is a conversation, but it's got a purpose, but it's just, it should be a conversation. And if it doesn't feel like one, then perhaps it's not right for either the company, me, or for that individual. It means it's, it's a harsh truth, but it's, it is the truth. That if it doesn't feel like a conversation, you need to be out of there for sure. Sure. Well, listen, let's talk about the, your, your role as a VP, um, which is a, a big title and sounds very senior. Last time we met, we talked about breaking glass ceilings, and it seems like you've managed to achieve that. I guess, how do you think you've done that? Um, again, because there'll be people listening, like, yeah, that's great for Martha, but how do I do that? And I think it's really important if my guests can come on and be like, this is how I did it, but this is what you can do as well. Yeah, um, I love that you asked this question. I feel humbled by this question because I've never thought of myself as breaking the glass ceiling and I'll, I'll come back to that, but I do understand what you're saying. And I think one is being true to yourself and understanding what are those values? What are you looking for? I actually coach and mentor a lot of women and everyone gets really specific on the title or the type of company or the um, things that are very tactical and black and white. And instead it should be, is this person a manager or someone that I would want to work for that I would want to learn for? And I'm not saying the role in the title isn't important, but I think we over-index on that versus indexing on making sure we have an advocate on the other side of the table. If that person is going to be our hiring manager, making sure that the organization as itself has the values that we want, and then also not being scared to fail, right? The way I did it is not being scared to fail. Now people ask me, well, how did you do that? That's the only reason why I really go back to like my immigrant roots. It took me a while to understand that, but as a, so I'm a first generation American and I'm a firstborn. So I didn't have like an older sibling to learn from either. So I will tell you, I screwed up a lot because they just don't know. Right. But every time that you mess something up and you recover from it, you're gaining confidence in yourself. And you really just have like more authority on your emotions and how much, um, how much pressure you put on yourself. And then the small things 
stay small instead of you blowing them up into something bigger, right? Someone once told me, and this stuck with me in 20, 2012, and I, I always use this, is this going to matter in 10 minutes? Is this going to matter in 10 months? Or is this going to matter in 10 years? And so when you're sitting there beating yourself up, think about that. And I'm not saying don't have the moment. Sometimes we all have the moment where, you know, we just want to beat ourselves up or have a pity party or whatever. That's part of it. But if it's not going to matter, don't, don't spend so much time looking in the rear view mirror. Just keep moving forward. Yeah. My, I'm very similar. It's like, does this matter? Will, is anyone going to die from my decision? Probably not. <laughs> um, that's a bit dramatic, but I find as well is that if I can't do that to myself, if I can't have that conversation with myself, like, is this going to matter, Vanessa, in 10 minutes? Is that I surround myself or find somebody who can tell me that? It's like, is this really going to matter? Have you had a mentor or somebody who sponsored you or guided you through your career? Not, not a standalone person. Um, I've definitely, something I spend a lot of money on and invested a lot in myself is executive coaches and um, marketing advisors and that sort of thing. I also, I mean, that's why I got, you know, a master's degree. I go and get other certifications and educations because I think education helps helps you open your mind, but also helps give you some confidence. Um, I would say that coaches have been the most helpful for me. Mm. I, I guess going through that process, then what have you learned the most about yourself? Yeah, I learned. So this is something also very interesting. I used to think that I had to be good at everything and I would beat myself up if I wasn't good at everything. Um, and what I realized is like, focus on your strengths and be a superstar at those. Like, you can't be good at everything. That's completely unreasonable and perfectionistic. I'm a recovering perfectionist. Um, but also in my head, for example, I've been a VP several times now and, you know, I've been, I present to boards and talk to CEOs and everyone, at least for me, maybe I shouldn't say everyone, for me, it was, I always thought that people at that level were like, alien level smart, you know, like something that was like astronomical, like I could never sit at that table. And then I sit there and I'm like, you're all normal and you're as intelligent as I am. And like, you're just people, right. (laughs) Um, and everyone has their strengths and everyone has their weaknesses. So anyway, that would be my advice. Like stick to your strengths, focus on those, hone those in, be better than anyone else at those, but also know that like this, the executives, are also just people like it's not something that you know they don't have 30 phds and they're gonna you know be like level of brainiacs that you think they are it's not if that makes sense yeah no it does entirely and i've been in situations like that and you, it is those moments you think well we've all got foibles we've all got our weaknesses and we're all struggling to make decisions and you know what's the right thing to do yeah i've been in that and so it's remembering we are all human and have have our moments as well in terms of your strengths then, and this ties nicely into the theme of competence, what are your strengths? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, <laughs> I would say one is really my resilience. So I've worked in startups for a long time. I graduated shortly after 9-11 and maybe some people don't, young people may not remember, but the economy was really bad and you couldn't find jobs. I had a job offer rescinded. I was 21 years old. I didn't know what that meant. Like I was like, you're rescinding it. I have no, you know, I I didn't know, but in in startups, I mean, people think it's sexy and all that, but it's about testing and learning and trying again over and over and over again, and not ever getting tired of seeking what the next great thing is. And I don't get tired of that. Um, I'm a builder, I would say. And then I think something from a marketing perspective, 
is some people lean more towards brand building and messaging and some people lean more towards revenue generating, like true revenue generating activities, lead gen, that sort of thing. And I think because I was in startups for a really long time and wore so many hats and had so many different experiences, I would say I'm good at both. Like sometimes in interview people will say, well, where do you spike? What is your specialty? And I'm like, it's both. And I'm, I'm not trying to be arrogant by saying that. It's just, that's what I've done over and over again. And so I would say those, those would probably be my biggest strengths. I'm also really good at simplifying things that are overly complex, right? And yeah. like getting to the root of like, what are we trying to accomplish here? What are we trying to do here? What's the goal? And that complication is something that I'd say, I'm not going to accuse marketers or marketeers directly, but it's something that I think businesses tend to do because it, I guess maybe it is some lack of confidence. You, if you make yourself sound smart and you complicate things and you're the only person who can find the way through it, people then think, oh, they must be great at what they do. But I have been in so many situations where senior leaders overcomplicate things. So I really like that you're saying, find the path through to the simple thing, or you can do that because actually life does not need to be complicated and difficult. It's only not do. business. I agree with you. And I sometimes think that finding the simple answer is hard or even like writing the shorter copy is hard than writing four pages. Like, you know, you have to like, what is impactful? So people like sometimes, yeah, they might feel like simple is, oh, that's so easy, but actually that's, that's sometimes hard. I love what you said about startups and I, and, may, and I know I've met many, many women and coach women as well. And a lot of women in their careers avoid startups. I think they go for the big brands, you know, that's what they're seen to do. I certainly personally had a lot of value out of start, been in startups because you're all things and your breadth. I guess what's your advice around startups, given that a lot of your career has been in that space? So women who are either thinking of the career move or even just starting in the, their sort of career journey, what would you be your advice to them around startups and what have you gained from them? Yeah. I mean, I think they're hugely valuable because of the amount of learning that can happen. I get annoyed by the fact that they have such a sexy brand because it's not always sexy, you know, like people have startups and you know, there's, there's shows about it. Um, so I just want to caution. It's a cautionary tale. If that's not for you, again, if you're someone that wants to optimize or wants a really clear process or path, or, you know, this is how we do things, probably startups aren't for you. If you want to go and learn a ton and try a lot of things and fail and, and keep at it, startups are for you. I, I would also say that if you're in marketing or, or maybe any, I can speak for marketing for sure. because I've been doing it for a while, but maybe any department, when you get into a startup, don't let the, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Like it's about iterating and getting some, I hate a sports analogy, but it's the first that came to my mind, but it's about getting runs on the board, like get some wins under your belt, even if they're small, instead of spending tons of time trying to come up with something perfect, time is probably our most precious resource in a startup. So it's about fast iteration and you have to thrive on that level of iteration and innovation in order for it to work for you. But yeah, th that would be, that would be my advice. And you largely work in sort of tech marketing how did you get into tech was that a conscious choice or is that something that happened to you 
Yeah, I think some of it was conscious, but some of it was definitely just uh, imposed on by my parents again. So immigrant parents, doctor, lawyer, engineer are your choices when you're a kid. Like that's, those are your choices. You can't pick anything else. Vanessa, I'm telling it's no. Uh, And uh, my dad was an electrical engineer and he always wanted me to be an engineer. He put me in coding classes and all kinds of things that made my eyes bleed. Um, But it taught me to not be scared of the the technology and remember I grew up in an era where it was right before the dot-com bubble everybody was talking about tech like that was the cool thing and I was like oh well I guess I want to be in tech I knew I didn't want to be an engineer that was always clear to me from a very young age but that's how uh, that's how I got into it and I've stuck with it I've gotten but I've also gotten to work on so many different cool things which is why I like marketing so I've worked in semiconductors networking network security oil and gas you're like how did you work in oil and gas well it was a SaaS company, they were building software, but that was really cool. So yeah, it's been a fun journey, but it was, I think some of how I grew up and then some of it was intentional. What does Geekster do? (laughs) Geekster is a talent platform. We build custom software for mid-market and fortune 1000 companies, but instead of having to hire a bunch of FTEs that are engineers, let's say you want a website an application and AI um, product, we'll build it for you and we'll just deliver the product. We've got the, it's like almost a talent marketplace. On one side, it's our customers. On the other side, it's engineering resources, developers, software developers, that sort of thing. And what's the big thing you're working on at the moment? Oh, you're allowed to tell me. <laughs> no, I love it. I, I'm working on all the messaging. I'm working on all of the messaging, the brand guidelines. So we're all speaking the same language consistently. Um, and obviously, on the growth side of the house, we need leads, MQLs, and revenue, right? So we're doing both fourth weekend, but I've already hired four people. Oh my God. Hiring I've ever done. Yeah. It's a personal record for me. So I'm very proud of it. That's what I want to talk about on this podcast. I've hired four people in four <laughs> weeks. Well, let's celebrate that. Cause that's amazingly quick to get approval. is pretty, well, that's the startup for you. You don't have the layers of, of yeah. um, all the layers of, you know, this form has to go and be signed and all that sort of stuff. And then you've got to go to HR and get approved for headcount. And yeah, that's the beauty of startups. So what, how, what, that's really, let's talk about this then. So you get into Gigster day one, and then four weeks later, you've got a, a team of people, extra four. Like, where do you start to be like, I need this skill. I need, we haven't got this. Talk to me about that process. Uh, so no one has started yet, but I got four offers out. They start, one person starts on Monday. I think this is from doing it for a long time. I know exactly what we need, right? So marketing, you have to prove yourself to get a seat at the table. Um, You need someone that's in growth marketing, helping you bring in leads. You need a product marketing manager. Product marketing managers are important. They're the bridge between sales, product, and marketing. And so how do you make sure that we've got our messaging and and all that done right? So when I was interviewing, I was already thinking, I knew that they didn't really have a marketing team and that I needed to think about my work. So I think day one, I delivered like, here's my org plan. Here's why I had justifications for the roles, but I've also, this is like my fourth or fifth time building a marketing team. So some of it just comes from experience again, from screwing up and knowing like, oh, that hire was too early. This one is later, you know, like I've already teed it up with my boss. For example, I said, I'm going to need a marketing operations manager, but I'm not going to ask for that until August or September. And he's like, okay, how do you know that? I was like, I just, I promise you, I know, (laughs) like, I know these things because I've done it before, you know, but that sort of. Well, actually, as a marketer, that must be quite interesting because the marketers I've ever met, it's all about data. It's like, unless the data tells you, we don't do that one. And I find that sometimes in HR, a lot of 
lot of my decisions are based on my experience and my intuition. There's no data really behind that, although data, my intuition is a form of data, I suppose you could argue. How do you get that across the line when people you are like, I just know, like, you've got to trust me. I just, I just know this is the truth. <laughs> like, you've just got to trust me, mate, because this is, this is based on, you know, 20 odd years of my experience. But how do you convince people? That's a great question. I think in the interview process, I definitely talked to them about it. Um, so I, ha- I had teed it up and I knew that this company was ready to invest in marketing. And I also knew that they were going to have broad guardrails for me and let it, let me really build my team how I want, because I think experience is the experience and intuition is the only thing you can rely on if you don't have data. And in startups, sometimes you don't have data, like you're not going to have data, you know, until you have some. So right now, for example, I think our lead count is very low because there wasn't a marketing team. Right. And it's going to take a minute and you're going to have to convince the person to take a risk on you, which I think is fine. As long as you can start proving that hey, this is going to work, right? And so you want to get quick wins. For example, we got the CEO on with the New York Times on Friday. He had a one-hour interview with a New York Times reporter. He's like, how did you do that on your third week? And I said, don't worry about it. Like, just let me do my thing. You know what I mean? But I mean, that you have to like feed the beast while also building it. <laughs> you know what I mean? At the same time. Yeah, and that's tough to do. That demand that's quite demanding. And it also just suppose one of your strengths, you might not have thought about this, is the ability at S to think, you know, more sort of strategic and still be doing the operational tactical stuff is a strength and a real quite a you know, an important skill set. And I wonder if that's something you've ever recognized in yourself that you can do both. I mean, he's talked about you can do the message and you can do the branding and then you can also do the product and the the stats and the data. But have you ever thought about actually the ability to think in sort of number of times, time zones, I suppose? So I actually hadn't until recently, I was having a a one-on-one with my boss and he said, you know, what's great about you? I said, what? He goes, you can think at 300 feet and at 30,000 feet in the same day. He's like, this is what I've seen from you over and over. And I was like, huh, good point. And I like moved on because I've got stuff to do. So I appreciate you (laughs) highlighting that. I really didn't. I didn't realize that maybe that's a strength, but you're right. The fact I think to be a really effective executive, you have to do both. Do you so think I- that's something you've been naturally able to do, or or again over is it about experience and screwing up every now and then? That or is it just something that you you recall being just naturally good at? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say I actually naturally I tend to be a big picture person. That's how I've always been but I've had to learn to get good at all of the little details because when you're hiring a team and whether your team is five people or 20 people, I I once had a marketing team of 41. You have to know that everyone is doing their job because ultimately the buck stops with you. So how do you trust, but verify that system and you have to do it by learning it. And the good thing is, is that I love to learn. Like I'm, I'm I'm kind of a, a born learner. I do like to learn a lot. So I would say that I've had to get good at digging into the details but yeah I, I think I built that that just like with any muscle right like I built it over time again I guess I go back to that uh, my comment about startups is that in a startup well because you know your resources tend to be scarce because there isn't income at certain points in your life cycle and it's largely just you initially you have to be able to go out on the horizon and come back in and go out and and I think Certainly, again, my experience is that it's sort of forced on you and you you learn very quickly if this is going to work or not. 
because mm -hmm. that's the environment you're in. I'm not saying, you know, I've worked in big corporates. So that's not saying that isn't the case, in the, but it tends to be a little bit more. Well, they, they tend to be the less of the moving in and out of the, the horizon on an hourly basis. Absolutely. I worked at a large corporation that we won't name the name because it was a 300,000 person company oh, really? and they had acquired my startup. I thought I was going to die. Like I thought I was going to shrivel up and die. <laughs> at one point, I'm not kidding. This is a real conversation. You might have to cut this out. My boss was like, you didn't do the procurement form. And the procurement form was 13 pages long. I was a product marketing manager and I took photos of my product and put it on my credit card. And it was like less than $600. And I was like, I won't do it. I said, you'll have to fire me if you want me to do the procurement form. <laughs> She's like, what is wrong with you? But that's because I worked and started like, I want to spend time doing things that matter and that move the needle and me filling out this form isn't going to do that. So I didn't. To that point, then you want to spend time and focus your time on things that matter and move the needle. If you were to apply that to yourself, you know, not your job and, you know, the VP of marketing at Gigster, if you were to apply that principle to yourself, how do you focus and what are you focusing on at the moment to move your own personal needle? I'm going to speak in theory for a second and then I'll, I think you have to understand where you want to go and who you want to be. And I'm not saying like, sometimes people are like, what do you want to do in 10 years? We probably don't know what we're going to be doing in 10 years, but think two years out. What do you want to be in two years? What kind of person do you want to be? What do you want to be doing? What's important to you? And then back up from there. So with me personally, I, you know, I've got a coach. I go to therapy. I read a lot of books. I try to figure out like, what, what are my values, spending time with people that I care about creating the right kind of memories, that sort of thing. And so I focus my life there and then everything else, if it's not important, don't do it. If you can outsource it, outsource it, you know, and sometimes we all have annoying things, right? Like part of being human, a homeowner, there's all of that, but in general, you just have to keep refocusing yourself around like, okay, these are my values. This is where I see myself going, you know? The bit about where you see yourself going and I suppose that goal, you know, 10 years, two years, whatever. I'm reading a book at the moment. It talks about like goals are really important. Like you have to have a goal, but actually it says you, you don't rise to the level of your goal. You fall to the level of your systems. So mm. it's a, which I think is a great, and I was talking to my husband about it last night. And I think what systems have you got in place then so that you achieve your goal, but actually the goal isn't the ultimate, you know, that's the one thing you absolutely focus on what systems. And I mean, I don't mean, you know, like behind the computer systems, but you know, what systems have you got in place to ensure that you're top of your game? I, I've definitely realized, so I'm an introvert. <laughs> I know that we're here talking, but I know that I need time to recharge and be um, creative. I think I might've read the book that you're reading. I also am this from Brene Brown. I am someone that has to have a lot of play in my life. I'll explain. I was, I just started doing a job. I was a little bit overwhelmed and I was kind of grumpy last weekend. So I took an extra day and I'm teaching myself how to smoke meat. This is not a thing that I'm good at. Let me be clear. I smoked a pork butt and something else. I did two, two tries on the weekend, Memorial day weekend. It didn't go well, but I felt so much better and I wasn't grumpy anymore. And what I realized is that I have to challenge myself all the time. Like I'm annoying, I guess. I don't know, but like, it's one of these things where like, I need to be learning new things and it couldn't be about marketing and I couldn't read another book, you know? And so I was like, what am I going to do? I was like, I'm going to learn to smoke meat. Did it go great? No, but it wasn't terrible. You know? And so that's something that I, I learned that through years of feeling either 
burnt out or like I needed something. And sometimes it's just, my brain needs a new challenge. And it's something as simple as like, yeah, I'm going to smoke a brisket. Okay. I've never done it before. I watched a YouTube video. I bought a smoker. I'm like, all right, let's try this. I live in Texas. Why not? You know? <laughs> and what, so is that something you're going to continue doing? Smoking weed? I mean, I think so. It was kind of fun. It was kind of fun. Let me tell you that building a fire is extremely difficult. It sounds so <laughs> easy, but it's way harder than I ever gave it an appreciation for. But I don't know. It was just one of those things that like, that's a perfect example. I was not in the best headspace. I was feeling overwhelmed. So I need, and to me, that's play. Like there's no risk in it. If the meat is terrible and it wasn't terrible, you know, it was terrible. It was it the best. No, but yeah, I just need new like challenges and things like that. So I have a lot of like kind of funny hobbies. Um, and I need to recharge for sure. And I need the therapist, the coach. Um, I spend a lot of time being thoughtful about my interactions with people outside of work, meaning like who are the people that I'm surrounding myself with making sure that my family feels loved and cared for. Yeah. I like that's how I do it. So you talk about you like to be challenged. What's on your list? What if you were thinking, okay, Martha, this is the the last bit of 2023 or the, the last half of 2023. We're in June already. What are, what's on your list? You're like, okay, you get this we're up for this. We're going to challenge uh, new things to learn. Yeah, yeah. like hobbies and fun well, things. I'm definitely like building out Gigster and making sure we're a revenue generating machine. But aside from that, I want to learn to bonsai. I've already started bonsaiing. Let me be clear. I'm going to smoke meats. Um, and right now I have a puppy and that's a whole thing. Like today I was trying to teach him to show me your belly. I know that sounds crazy, but I'm basically a dog trainer and, <laughs> and a dog butler. But yeah, I would say like those three things. And, and I want to make sure uh, that I, I spend quality, like thoughtful time with my family. I think so in the past, probably in my thirties, I was very much like a check the box and do things out of obligations. And I've really moved away from that through, I, I had some health challenges. My sister had two different kinds of cancer. And so like, how do we, how do we spend quality time together? And what does that look like? And so I try to be really thoughtful about that. So I'm going to ask you some quick fire questions now, and they tend to just come out of my brain. So they could be random. Who knows? <laughs> I like but, I really, but I do ask this question because I find it quite fun. And I think it's quite revealing of people. So you're baking a cake, a confidence cake. What okay. three ingredients would you put into that? Okay. One is experience. Two, it's probably failure. <laughs> Do it only, I think those go hand in hand. Maybe that's a cheating answer. And three, I would say advocate for yourself. Like you have to be your own advocate. And do you think in times of your life, you haven't advocated for yourself? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's when that whole like fake it till you make it, it's, the saying comes in, you know? Absolutely. I had to learn to do that. That is something that was not my strength. It was definitely something that I worked on a lot. Mm. Can you remember sort of when in your career you were like, right, Martha, it's you and me. We've got to get on with this. We've got to, we've got to advocate <laughs> for each other. Totally. I totally, I used to be scared to raise my hand and make the ask. I mean, it was what we were talking about, even in interviews, I would put so much pressure on like, this is my dream job, just based on a title and a company type. And it, that doesn't work. I, and I, yeah, I wasn't being authentic to myself and I wasn't advocating for myself. And I, I think I was putting too much pressure on the situation. And so now I've learned to like, just make the ask, be confident in your ask. I mean, if you have experience and 
you feel confident that you can make this, or you feel like you could achieve whatever this ask is. If, you know, someone gave you the permission to go and do this then just ask, make the ask. I mean, mm-hmm. what the worst they can do is say no. And that fear of rejection sometimes stops us from doing so many things, but it's really silly, actually. <laughs> you know what I mean? All right. My next question. So you, you like a challenge. What's one challenge that's completely, or one thing that's cause completely beaten you're in like, nope, I, it's not going to work for me. The GMAT. <laughs> I math gives me anxiety. It doesn't mean I'm not good at it. It gives me a level of anxiety that is unexplicable. Like I can't, I just can't explain it to you. It scares me. I, yeah. It scares me. All right. What's one place you've been um, in the world? It doesn't matter where it is. That's sort of really changed your perspective on life. I went to Ghana in 2014 and I realized how privileged we are in the United States. Um, I've traveled a lot, but Africa for me was just a different, it was just different. Um, and I I realized that that goes back to like the values, like what's important to you, what, what do you value? Um, and also in the United States, if you watch the media or you talk to people, everyone's down on the country and I'm not saying our country is perfect by any means, but we're so fortunate to have so many things that many people in other countries struggle with. And so I think that that was very, it was very illuminating for me for sure. What's your one piece of advice for women who are listening and they're like, I just need to start to build my confidence. What would you advise them to do? I would say try. And here's what, even when it's scary, keep trying because I learned this through my coaches and therapy that you'll learn to trust yourself more if there's nothing worse than inaction, right? If you, if you don't make the action and you're just in your head about it, you'll never know what's actually going to happen. But whether you fail or succeed, you'll start learning to trust yourself. And that's so important in advocacy and building your confidence and building your resilience, grit, all of that. So, But with the, with the sort of resilience and failing, at what point have you sort of questioned, do I just keep going and keep failing? Or do, have you got a very, have you got a mindset that's like, you know, it's going to lead to something. Because I think you know, there'll be women who are listening who are like, yeah, I just keep failing. That's all I do. <laughs> when am I going to get my moment? I totally get it. I wanted to be a CMO by the time I was 40. I did not achieve that. So sometimes I'm like, oh, maybe I'm a failure. Sometimes it's in reframing your failure. Sometimes it's in, sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. I literally have that quote like on my phone and you just have to keep at it, right? And if you have scrutinized your process, your environment, all the variables that you can control. That's all you can do, you know, and just keep trying. I know it sounds so cliche, but I mean, like I said, I thought I was going to be a CMO when I'm 40 and I'm not. Um, I read a book illogical by Emmanuel Acho, and he talks about how goals are basically BS. I recommend it to you. It like really helped me reframe some of that. So I'll put those details in the show notes. And then my final question, Martha, is what or who, sorry, who do you think, doesn't have to be woman, it helps for the, the theme of this podcast, but which woman or human do you think is really confident? And you're like, wow. Yeah, Brene Brown. Like, I admire her. I wish I could meet her. She, I mean, if you listen to her, I mean, she's got a Netflix special or her books or her podcast. Like she has a level of vulnerability and realness that I didn't see for a long time. And that was something that I was like, oh, she's a woman and she's doing this. She talks about how 
she struggled with alcohol. You know, she's been sober for X many years and she, I just feel like she owns who she is. And I respect that so much. I think that's a, a huge amount of confidence. So yeah, I really, really admire her. Yeah. I was reading somewhere. I think it must've been recently that she's actually taking, I want to say the rest of 2023 off because I think her levels of anxiety have just got, cause she has suffered from depression and anxiety as well in the past. And I think that's a, I guess she's in the fortunate position. She's got the brand now and she's never going to be short of money, but to take the step off the stage essentially, which is where she resides a lot of the time and say, this is not serving me and this is not good for me is confidence. It's really owning your, your path and saying, I'm not going to do this. for. Them. I think it's, I don't, maybe it's not the rest of the year, but she's certainly her and her team are like, we need a break. And yeah. you know, that's, that's an amazing thing to sit, to do really is. I think they took a break, um, maybe last year as well. And she said that so many people told her like, you can't do that. And she was like, why not? And then did it anyways. And I was like, man, I respect, I respect that so much, you know? Yeah. And I think that's that doing it anyway, you know, people saying no to you. Have you had somebody say to you, no, Martha, that's not what you do or how you do it. And you've been like, well, I'm doing it. Yeah. I think there's something in me. So my sisters, they're like, you're just a little bit like that. Where like, if you tell me, no, I like, I'm like, I'll eat that for breakfast and do it anyway. But I think, so maybe that I was born that way. They laugh at me that I'm like that, but I've had plenty of people tell me like, you're, you know, you can't do this. You're not this, you're not that. And you can't listen to those people that that comes back to like your inner voice, your confidence, what are your values? It has to come from within you. And sometimes it's hard, right? Especially if it's someone that's like above you or has more power than you, or you have this illusion that they're better than you somehow. Like you're just humans and you just have to listen to your own inner voice. That's good advice to, to wrap this conversation up. So Martha, thanks very much for being on the show. And it's been amazing to meet you. And thanks for sharing all your advice and your journey as well. So thanks very much. Thanks for having me.